Let us go to God in prayer. Bring your word near to us, O God. May it rest not only on our lips, but also reside in our hearts. By the power of your Holy Spirit, help us to respond to your word with our whole lives until you become our dwelling place. Through Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Our first reading from this morning comes from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 26, verses 1 through 11. As usual, I am reading from the New Revised Standard Version, which is just a little bit different than the New International Version that you have in front of you. You can find it on page 174 of your pew Bibles if you wish to follow along. Listen for what the Spirit has to say to the church. When you have come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance to possess, and you possess it and settle in it, you shall take some of the first of all the fruit of the ground which you harvest from the land that your Lord, that the Lord your God is giving you, and you shall put it in a basket. And go to the place that the Lord your God will choose as a dwelling for his name. You shall go to the priest who is in office at that time and say to him, Today I declare that the Lord, to the Lord your God that I have come into the land that the Lord swore to our ancestors to give us. When the priest takes the basket from your hand and sets it down before the altar of the Lord your God, you shall make this response. Before the Lord your God. A wandering Aramean was my ancestor. He went down into Egypt and lived there as an alien, few in number. And there he became a great nation, mighty and populous. When the Egyptians treated us harshly and afflicted us by opposing hard labor upon us, we cried to the Lord, the God of our ancestors. The Lord heard our voice and saw our affliction, our toil, and our oppression. The Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, with a terrifying display of power and with signs and wonders. And he brought us into this place and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. So now I bring the first of the fruit of that of the ground that you, O Lord, have given me. You shall set it down before the Lord your God and bow down before the Lord your God. Then you, together with the Levites and the aliens who reside among you, shall celebrate with all the bounty that the Lord your God has given to you and to your house. Our second reading comes from the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 4, verses 1 through 13. You can find it on page 892. Listen for what the Spirit has to say to the church. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan, was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where for forty days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing at all during those days, and when they were over, he was famished. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. 
Jesus answered him, It is written, One does not live by bread alone. Then the devil led him up and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said to him, To you I will give their glory and all this authority, for it has been given over to me, and I give it to anyone I please. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered him, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from there, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to protect you. And on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against the stone. Jesus answered him, It is said, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished every test, he departed from him until an opportune time. Let's return to God in prayer. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing to you. O Lord, our God, our rock and our salvation. May your spirits come upon us in truth and in power so that we may hear what you have to say to each and every one of us today. In your Son's name we pray. Amen. Several months ago, on a whim, I bought the collected works of William Shakespeare. So far, I've only read a few of the plays collected therein. But one that stands out, stood out to me this morning as I was writing this week's sermon was The Tragedy of Macbeth. My high school English teacher told us that a tragedy is a story where the main character is brought low by a tragic flaw. To put it differently, tragedies often revolve around the character's downfall due to a sin. A sin whose power over their lives destroys that life and the lives around them. In the case of Macbeth, it's the desire for power that leads to his own downfall. Of course, we need not turn to the near-inscrutable verse of Shakespeare to find drama in the form of tragedy. Our media is full of it. We are all familiar with the stories where someone's downfall lies in their own sins, in their own shortcomings. It's a common plot trope in movies, in TV, in literatures, in theater. When Jesus goes out into the desert, we see a completely different story take place. When Jesus goes out into the desert, we see a man who is presented with the very opportunities that we often lunge at. As he wandered the desert starving, the devil says, Turn this stone into bread, I know you can. And Jesus says, Bread is not enough. 
Matthew adds that we live by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Who among us would not do what is necessary to get bread for our starving selves or our starving families? Who among us would not jump at the chance to turn stone into bread were we hungry? Or who among us would not steal a loaf of bread were our families starving? Jesus says that we cannot live on bread alone. As Jesus wanders the desert, starving, the devil says, If you will only worship me, all the kingdoms of the world will be yours, for they are mine to give to you. Jesus says, You shall worship God alone. How many in our culture's stories would sell their souls for the, for the sake of power? How many people are willing to lie, to cheat, to steal? For the sake of power. And how many of our stories is the pursuit of power that person's downfall? Jesus says that we shall worship only God. Idolatry takes many forms. Idolatry can be the pursuit of power. Idolatry can be the pursuit of wealth. Idolatry can be the pursuit of fame. Idolatry can be the pursuit of comfort. Idolatry is the pursuit of anything over the will of God. Jesus proclaims, Worship the Lord your God. Do not worship yourself. Do not worship your ambitions. Worship God only. The tragedy of sin is that it harms not only our relationships with God, it harms our relationships with one another. It damages not only our lives, but the lives of those around us. In our most extreme examples, the tragedies of our dramas, those sins pull them down into despair, into madness, into death. These tragedies are powerful warnings for how even seemingly simple sins can bring us down. In Macbeth, it is the desire for power that ultimately leads to his downfall. In the Bible, Saul's pride leads to his ultimate rejection by God. These are dramatic examples and they prove a point. Our sins most likely will not cause us to lose everything we have, but they do damage our relationships. Our pride, our greed, our lust, our anger, our sloth, our envy, our gluttony. These things damage the world around us and the people around us. Our brokenness damages friendships. It strains marriages. It leaves lasting wounds in those we love. The betrayal of those around us leaves wounds that we can never predict. Wounds that don't heal easily. Our brokenness produces brokenness in others and they in turn, broke, they in turn produce brokenness. And others. Broken people create other broken people. Sin creates chains of sin. 
Broken people create a broken society, which in turn creates more broken people. Sin creates chains of sin. This is the tragedy of sin. The tragedy of sin is that, as Paul reminds us in his letter to the Romans, the wages of sin is death. In the great tragedies of literature, theater, and film, the price of pride and greed is invariably death. Perhaps our own brokenness will not lead us down that road, but the truth is that all mortals must die. Man, that's depressing to think about. All mortals must die. The wages of sin is death. While our sin may not lead us directly to ruin, as it does in the great tragedies, we recognize that the wages of sin is death. This is the tragedy of sin. But our lives not need not end in tragedy. The gospel of Jesus Christ is that God has not abandoned us to the tragedies of sin. When we look at the story of Jesus in the desert, the main event is not that Jesus managed to resist the temptations presented him. We would expect nothing less of Jesus. The story here is what his experience in the desert can teach us about our own lives. As Jesus heads out into the desert, He models for us dependence on God. As He goes out into the desert for 40 days, we're told that He doesn't eat. Though He is famished, He depends on God to sustain Him. Though He's exhausted, He depends on God to support Him. As He is tempted by the devil, Jesus remains faithful to God through even the most difficult of trials. Through his time in the desert, Jesus is tested by that which so many of us desire most. Basic sustenance, power and glory, safety and privilege. Jesus is tested by these things which would lead us down the path of destruction. Yet he chooses instead to rely on God. In all things, Jesus Christ stayed faithful to God. Even while being tempted with the things that many strive for, Jesus resisted the pull of material things and instead chose to remain faithful to God and to the mission that God had given Him. Jesus stayed faithful to God through the temptations in the desert. Jesus stayed faithful to God through the building and tearing down of relationships and the healing of the physically and spiritually wounded. And he stayed faithful to, to God even up to the cross. As we journey through Lent, we must take this opportunity to reflect on ourselves. 
we must take the opportunity to examine the sin and brokenness of our lives. We must take the opportunity to examine the truth of our own mortality. Yet we must not give in to despair. We must not give in to hopelessness for the good news that we celebrate at the end of Lent that we need not give in to despair. We need not wallow in our sin. Though we wander through the desert of our own lives, we need not abandon hope. Like Jesus, as we wander the desert, we are led by the Spirit and held up by the Spirit. We need not give in to the temptations of this world where we hear the siren's song of wealth, of comfort, of prosperity and of power. We need not give in to the tragedy of sin. We need not let our brokenness destroy us and those around us. We need not give heed to the whisperings of the one who tempted Jesus in the desert. For we have God on our side. And if God is for us, then who indeed can be against us? Let us sit with what God has placed on our hearts.